0: Hello, from the studio in Nitro, West Virginia. This is Unreasonable Doubt. It's a podcast about West Virginia University basketball. I'm Josh Witt. This was the fourth game of the Mountaineer men's basketball season. They were in Fort Myers, so first time away from Morgantown. They played the soon-to-be ACC SMU Mustangs. And it was a tale of two halves, right? West Virginia was up 11 at the end of the first half. And then they lost by 12. (laughs) And so the easy explanation is looking at the large number of players on West Virginia's bench in polos. And they're in polos because they can't play. And they're all in various stages. Right, Kerr comes back in five more games. Like he's got to do five more games of being suspended, and then he can come back. A cook, a cook, TBD. Should not be focused on basketball. Fo- focused on a healthy life, but he's on the sideline in a polo. May come back. We'll see. Don't know about Raekwon Battle. Going to find out at some point, I think, but he's in a polo. So it's easy to watch this game tonight. You saw it even when West Virginia was up 11, SMU was trying to run like their hair was on fire, pressing early and often, trying to play fast. West Virginia grinded things down and SMU missed shots in the first half. The zone was working. And then The second half, the lead evaporates very quickly. Shots that they were getting in the first half and were missing, they were getting, and not only were they making them, this was not like the Monmouth game where the guy has a hand in his face and he's just making tough shots. SMU made a couple of tough shots. But on the whole, the zone was a step slower. Guys had an extra beat. And they made shots. And then that started leading to getting buckets inside. And, you know, it's just easy to say West Virginia is playing six deep with the dusting of Pat Sumnick. And SMU is playing nine deep with the dusting of a guy who was his only intention in the game, it felt like, was to get Jesse Edwards to take a swing at him. (laughs) That guy. There was a dusting of that guy. He got three fouls in the first half. Didn't see much of him after that. And West Virginia ran out of gas. That's the easy explanation. And what you can blanket statement this team currently, especially against better competition... SMU's not going to win the national championship, but they're not Jacksonville state. They're not bad. And West Virginia can hang with not bad for a little while, but not a full game. If you're playing six guys, these six guys. And that's what it looks like on defense offense in the second half. It's, it just doesn't look, you know, especially this this did have a similar feel to Monmouth in that the shots they were getting in the second half were perimeter shots. If you're saying they're running out of gas and your shots are only perimeter shots for the most part, that's not a good combination because you need legs to shoot perimeter shots and be good at shooting perimeter shots, of which I'm not sure outside of Slazinski. And Wilson. So you've got two of your six that I know are good at that. uh, But they're both also fighting against the running out of gas thing. (laughs) And so offensively, it could be dead legs. It could be the guys that are out there, are out there, the amount that they're out there because the guys in polos on the sideline, aren't playing. And really, it's just a combination of both. And everybody can get there and understand what's happening so far in this season. What the results can be attributed to. And so then, how do you make the results different with what you can control? What do you do? Like, I can't... Eilert has no control over the guys in polos being not being able to play. So this is who you've got and praise them in the Jacksonville state game for trying some different stuff tonight. Uh, the cherry pick offense kind of disappeared. The Kobe post-ups didn't happen. Uh, Edwards was getting fed a bunch in the first half. That diminished in the second half because SMU went to the hey, not only we're we gonna double team, we're gonna have three or four guys on him. That guy is dangerous. Let's let the other guys beat us. And West Virginia doesn't have a doesn't have an answer for that. They can't say, oh, okay. Uh we can't make you pay for putting four guys on Edwards. So, what do you do? I mean, what can Eilert do? So let's let's try to solve the gas in the tank dilemma. All right. That's one thing as a coach, it's you don't have good options. You don't have a lot of options. But what can you do different than what you've done in the first four games? And the one thing that stands out, and I don't know what the the analytics of which Coach Eilert is saying. I pay attention to the stuff. That's what he pointed to for Offrey going into the starting lineup. I'm I'm encouraged. I think that's a good thing that he's paying attention to the numbers. You can't just go blindly with the numbers because of the gas in the tank thing. Like, I don't know what analytics say about how much gas you have in the tank. <laughs> I think it just. Things happen on the court, and you can quantify that, and those become numbers. I don't know if you quantify the gas in the tank thing, and maybe they can. All that to say, for the gas in the tank stat, the only thing you have for your big guys is Pat Sumnick playing more. That helps your gas tank math. Jesse Edwards' minutes in the first four games of the Mountaineer season. 37 minutes, 38 minutes, 32 minutes, 36 minutes. Jesse Edwards is not a stranger to playing a ton of minutes in college basketball. He played a ton last year for Syracuse. You go down the box scores, there's multiple games where he played all 40 minutes of the game. So Jesse Edwards, not a stranger to playing Long minutes. Yes, he was he was snug comfortably in the Syracuse 2-3 zone. Eiler is transitioning to 2-3, so he's getting a taste of what it was like last year. But he played a ton last year. Jesse Edwards' minutes in the first four games last season, 28 minutes, 34 minutes, 24 minutes, and 31 minutes. And some of those 40 minutes games for Edwards last year was towards the tail end of the season. So he can do it. It's not a matter of if he can or can't do it. Is it optimal? Because Jesse Edwards was hands on knees in the first eight minutes of this game coming off of six days of rest. And I'm not questioning conditioning. You just know that your center, doesn't matter who it is, should be playing 38 minutes (laughs) every game. 36, 37, 38, 32. Those are his first four. You have to have Edwards for the long haul. He's got to sit more. And I know Eiler's being creative there, but you've got to get, you've got to be, not even, it's not even a creative thing. It's just him and Slezinski and Sumnik that can that can play the four or the five. I guess Harris could play four, but they're like you're struggling on the in the backcourt. So there's not <laughs> it's him and Offrey playing three and now Offrey's playing two. So you're already mixed match in there so it's hard to to move Harris to four. So those are your three guys. And I don't blame Josh Eilert for keeping Ali on the bench. That's not, from where he played last year, the jump to what he'd be playing this year, not an option. Totally get it. But a cook may not come back. It's just a, this is your guy. And regardless of what the analytics say, that's one solution for gas in the tank is play Pat Moore and playing Pat Moore in the scenario is getting him to 15 to 20 minutes until, until slash if a cook comes back. And is that again, the numbers might not look great, but do the numbers matter because the numbers look good in the first half. And then the tank is empty, and then it doesn't matter what what kind of lead you build. 11-point lead is a solid lead. It, It diminished in the first four minutes of the second half. Gone. And so if Sumnick plays more and the game is closer, it's closer, but you got more gas in the tank. That's it. I'm just trying to do gas in the tank math here. And then in the backcourt, Eilert had Wilson running point. Obviously thinks that Bembry is not ready. Not He knows. Didn't see a ton out of Bembry. I, I'm excited for his future. Understand why he's not playing right now. So that's one solution. This is a play Seth Wilson at the point. Not terrible. I, yes, West Virginia turned the ball over a lot more than they had in the first three games. That's how SMU won the play. You knew the turnovers were going to be more against that style of play. But it wasn't a train wreck. Is that Seth Wilson's best position to flourish? No, you don't get to choose. Kobe can't play 40 minutes. So Wilson's running point for a little bit. And he's got to keep doing that if Bembry's not an option. And so we've seen Coach Eilert adapt defensively, playing more 2-3 zone, definitely worked in the first half, did not work in the second half. But ultimately, even if guys enter into the picture, like Kerr comes back, he enters into the picture. If if Raekwon or a Cook or both come back, just number, stand, stand, number standpoint and gas in the tank math, you're in a way better spot. Uh, but with the guys you have of the two things that need attention, offense or defense, you gotta, gotta figure out offense. You gotta figure out what adjustments you can make to help the offense. This team struggles to score. Told you the cherry picking went quiet in this game. Quinn came out like a madman tonight. I mean, he is talking junk. One time he threw it off the backboard like Tracy McGrady. I don't know where that was going, but it was exciting. He's talking his junk. Lots of points in the first couple of minutes and then kind of quiet overall for the rest of the game and shooting perimeter shots in the second half. Josiah Harris is now 10 for 34 shooting the ball. And Seth Wilson is playing point. And even, and he was not, it wasn't the vibe like the Jacksonville state game in this game, he was shooting the ball, but he's not getting a ton of open shots. And so you're getting the Seth Wilson experience that I remember from last year of taking horse shots. They didn't, the horse shots did not fall in tonight. And so I'm not saying something that I, I am not a division one men's basketball coach, not qualified. So take that for, take my opinion as always for what it's worth, the coaching staff and coach either have to figure out how do we get Seth spot up shots? How do we get Kobe Johnson in the post? Like, I like how that looks and Kobe Johnson was not posting up anybody tonight. and. And see, how do you get this team to not settle for perimeter shots? Five-out offense is great. There's movement. The guys are eager to pass. The passing looks better this year. They're sharing the ball. It's just got to result in getting shots closer to the basket using gas in the tank math. This is what it is right now. From a viewing standpoint, I was not pacing, still keeping the pacing, the no pacing promise for the 2023-2024 season. I have to admit, I was sitting at the edge of my seat, literally in the se- in the early part of the second half. So the stomach was turning a little bit. It did not it did not manifest in full blown pacing as I normally do, trying to keep perspective. Uh, but this is what WVU has right now, and you, how do you how do you do what you can do with the guys you have to try to eke out some better results? And some of that will be schedule, like you've got to when you play in Morgantown against but. Uh, for buy games, you got to win the buy games in this stretch. And then when you play St. John's and when you play, who else are you playing in these first nine games? The 10th game you play at UMass Wednesday night, you're going to play against Virginia. What can you do in those games to give yourself a chance just to have gas in the tank to give yourself a chance at the end of the game? This podcast is under the Smoking Musket umbrella. What does that mean? Well, what like there's so many things under the Smoking Musket umbrella. SmokingMusket.com. Great articles on WVU football and basketball. WVU football podcast. West by Pod. Jordan and Joel talking about the seventh win for the football team, looking for eight in the season finale against Baylor. Discord channel. Good conversations, ga- conversations during games, outside of games, about all things WVU. And there's even channels for topics outside of WVU sports. Smoking Musket at Smoking Musket on X. That's all the stuff you can find under the Smoking Musket umbrella. Smoking Musket. Do it. The next game for WVU is a consolation game. Wednesday night, 6 p.m., Fort Myers, Florida, Fox Sports 1. Remember last year, we were staying up well past midnight for games in Portland during the Thanksgiving tournament. We're done before Thanksgiving this year, 6 p.m. game, and West Virginia will play our good friends, our, our bordering state university the University of Virginia, the Cavaliers. Cavaliers are four and one. They took their first loss tonight. They got whooped. You can call it a whooping versus Wisconsin, 65 to 41. The good news for West Virginia is that Virginia is not a pressing team. <laughs> as, a, as a matter of fact, they're the opposite. It's grindhouse. It's prior to the Wisconsin game, of which it was a totally Virginia score of scoring 41 points. They held their previous opponent, Texas Southern, to 33 points. College basketball games are 40 minutes long. They held Texas Southern to 33. Tonight, Virginia basically scored a point a minute versus Wisconsin, That's what they're going to try to do to West Virginia. They're going to try to keep West Virginia under 40 points. Between you and me, they might succeed. For the gas in the tank analytics, it should go better against Virginia because Virginia is, again, I mean, I've seen Virginia press in late game scenarios. I don't know how much pressing I've seen from Virginia during the course of the first 38 minutes of a game. Will Tony Bennett break that out? I'd be shocked. Anything's possible, though. But for West Virginia, the matchup problem against Virginia, besides the whole can-they-get-the-40 thing, is that the zone may not be as effective against Virginia Virginia's coming off of a loss where they scored 41. They're gonna to look to not to score way more than 41. West Virginia's gonna play zone. And Virginia, four games into the five games into the season, are shooting almost 39% from three. And West Virginia is not doing great at guarding the three. Four games into their season. So just that stat alone has me concerned about the end result with the whole, can they break 40 followed by, can they keep Virginia from shooting and making a uh, 10 plus threes? And I am weary of both of those questions, but after the game versus Virginia, they'll go back home to Bellarmine back to a, a buy game. West Virginia, <laughs> that'll be another game served by Kirk Creesa for his suspension. I'm looking for positive things that come out of this Virginia game. What we should not expect is a Mountaineer victory with love and respect. With love and respect. It'll be interesting to see where the offense comes from Wednesday. How will they generate it? I'm I'm asking, and I, I don't have the answer to that. I'm I'm as curious as you are of what that's gonna look like against a team that wants to suffocate on defense and wants to play as slow as molasses. So this game will be over. You know, when Virginia Wisconsin play, I'm thinking about not a lot of points being scored. That game was over at like at 7.45. They got done way under two hours. So that's another, as far as, as a positive, don't expect a long game because West Virginia, in its current iteration, they're not fouling a ton. The game can move. So expect a tidy one-hour and 50-minute game. I mean, the results aren't great. But as a comparison point, the I can get you out of the building in two hours model of Josh Eilert is let's just call it different than the we'll stay here as long as we have to two and a half hour rock fight that uh, the previous coach engaged in, which was successful. Don't I can't say it's not successful. I'm just pointing out the difference. And if you think it's going to go bad, then let's get out of here in an in a hour 50. You know? <laughs> Killers of the Flower Moon, I thought was a good movie. But sometimes you want to watch a 90-minute movie that that just that gets in, gets out, does the job, entertains you, and you're out. That's it for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. Listen on all the platforms, or just pick one: Apple Podcasts, Overcast Podcast, Amazon Podcast, Pocket Cast Podcast, YouTube. Till next time, I'm Josh with WVU for the 2023-2024 season. They have two wins and they have two losses.